You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, good morning from me. We are now halfway through January. I hope the decks are away. Has anybody still got their Christmas decks up? Well done there. One at the back. Oh, one here at the front. It's okay if you've still got your decks up. It's all right. It's just a job you haven't got to yet. I know some people have some suspicions around these things. Uh, You don't have to be suspicious. It's okay if your decks are still up. But you know, we're still in this first month of the year. There's still a slight feeling of newness to the year. And the message I want to bring this morning has this title, New Year, New You. New Year, New You. You see, because all of us, there's a slight sense, isn't there, when we come to a new year, that it's the chance for a new start. It's a chance to go again. It's almost like you get given a fresh blank sheet of paper to go at all over again. It's why many people come up with New Year's resolutions. I don't know, is anyone in the room willing to put your hand up and say, yeah, I've got some New Year's resolutions? Anyone here this morning, you've got some or had some? That's it, had some. If you had some, let's put a hand up for had some. Brilliant, we've got one or two people who had New Year's resolutions. You would get to the start of the year and you think, Actually, in this next year, I'm going to sort this thing out. I'm going to do a bit better. I'm going to push a bit harder. I'm going to be a bit more disciplined. Did you know that Google searches for gyms spike in January? It's probably no great surprise. In fact, some gyms see a 40% increase in their membership from December to January. Although also shockingly, It's estimated that in some gyms, 50% of memberships never even get used once. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? But we all start the year off and we think we're going to eat less, we're going to eat healthier, we're going to exercise more, we're going to go to football, maybe, maybe not. I'm going to sort my devotional life out this year. I'm going to have a devotional life this year. But we make New Year's resolutions. But generally, by the time we get to February, or halfway through January, we've given up. The truth is that we all know there are aspects in our lives which need some more work. We're all aware of that. But for a new you, it will take more than just a new year. And there's also more to help us than the turning of a new year. And that's where I want to take us to this morning. So if you've got a Bible or a device, if you'll turn with me to Romans 12, and we're going to read just the first two verses here. It's not a long passage, but they're life-changing verses. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. These words were written by Paul. He was writing to the church in Rome, a church he longed to visit but hadn't yet managed to visit. I've not read all the preceding chapters this morning. That would have made a very long reading. But if you're familiar with Romans, Paul really systematically unpacks the gospel of Jesus Christ through the first 11 chapters. That's important, you know, when you come in the Bible to a verse that begins, therefore, you need to have in mind what's gone before. Some would say when you see therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. So we look at the preceding chapters. We find that Paul has systematically unpacked the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you've never read the book of Romans, read the book of Romans. Some of it will seem a bit tough, but it will take you deeper into an understanding of God and what he's done for you. He's unpacked that mankind was made by God, but that we've rejected God's rule and his ways to do our own thing. And because of that, we deserve his judgment. But instead of judging us, Jesus came and took our place, that our sin might be paid for, our debt might be paid, our lives saved purely by putting faith in Jesus Christ. Paul unpacks that not only that, but then the Holy Spirit, God himself in spirit, has been given to us to enable us to share in his victory to become more than conquerors, to win the battle that can go on on the inside of us between right and wrong. These are some of the things that Paul unpacks before he gets to this therefore. And so he's unpacked all those things and says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters. You see, there's a call for us to keep growing and changing, to be transformed, to find a new you. There's work in all of us that needs doing still, a new you to work towards, but it's going to need more than a resolution. And there's help in here for us this morning. And Paul helps us really to see four components of how we can change towards becoming everything that God has for us. And I believe all of us here in the room, we want to become everything God has for us. But sometimes along the way, we can find the transforming journey a little bit tricky. So four things this morning. First of all, I believe Paul tells us we need a new view. A new view. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. We need a new view. You see, Paul, in the letter, he begins, he's unpacked God's mercy to mankind. He's outlined it and unpacked it. He wants us to remember that God is merciful, Whatever you've heard, whatever someone's told you, whatever you've had to journey in your life, I can tell you that God is merciful, unchangingly so. Mercy is the moral quality of feeling compassion and pity and showing kindness towards someone in serious need. This is what God is like, unchangingly so. God is merciful. I found it really interesting in the last couple of weeks, I've been reading through Matthew's gospel. With fasting this week, I've perhaps read more scripture than I would normally read 
in a shorter space of time. And you know when you do that, sometimes you see things that you didn't see before. And in Matthew's Gospel, I found that they're talking about mercy all the time. It's like for Jesus, this is a big deal. There's lots of people crying out to him for mercy, but also he comes after the Pharisees. He keeps talking to them about a verse, an Old Testament verse from Hosea that says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. In fact, in the early chapters of Matthew, you find him first, he says to them, go and learn what these words mean. He says that to the Pharisees. Go and learn what these words mean. I desire mercy. And then just a couple of chapters later, he's there saying, if only you'd known what these words mean. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It woke me up to the fact that Jesus knew that if anyone was ever going to understand him or what he's on with, they would need to understand mercy. It's right at the very heart of who he is. It's right at the very heart of how he interacts. And it's right at the very heart of what he came to bring to mankind. It's his provision for our serious, serious need. You know, we can come to God only through his mercy. Undeserved, unmerited, our serious need met by his kindness, pity, and compassion. As we've sung this morning, what we deserved was judgment for our rebellion and pride. We were in a mess that we could never solve, even if we were given the whole of eternity to do so. Do you know we can never prove ourselves before God? We can never make ourselves respectable before him. There is only one approach to come through to him, and it's through his mercy. Many of us, or most of us, we know this about salvation, or we're grasping this about salvation. But sometimes once we've got saved, we can lose sight of God's mercy. It goes out of view, if you like. When we know that we still need to change because we know that God accepts us as we are, but is trying to work in us to change us and make us more like Jesus, somewhere along the lines we begin to strive because we think sometimes now God is expecting us to sort ourselves out, to make the next change by ourselves. And so we try a little harder to make ourselves a little more respectable to God. Now, of course, we have an active part in the process of working with God in what he's doing, but sometimes we take that too far and we try to do it all ourselves. It's a little bit like this. I wonder if you can imagine booking yourself on a Caribbean cruise because someone gives you the money as a gift to do so. You could never have afforded it yourself, and so you're grateful. You look into flights to get to Antigua because that's where the cruise begins from. And you find that they're a little bit pricey. And although the money could cover it, it's a bit more than you wanted to spend. But then you read the news yesterday. And in the news, you saw that four British amateur rowers had managed to get to Antigua from the Canary Islands, not in a plane, but in a boat, rowing themselves. It didn't cost them anything. It was just a bit of the old, you know, bit of muscle. 
probably a decent boat, you'd think, to get the 3,000 miles across the Atlantic. So you think, I know, this will be cheaper. I'll make my own way there. I'll sort it out myself. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? But sometimes that's a bit what we do in our spiritual lives. We set out on something that was provided for by someone else, by a means we couldn't afford, but then we try to do it our own way. I dare say if we did set out on that, we may not make it. <laughs> Paul is saying here, in view of God's mercy, don't lose sight of the way you came in, the way the journey started. I want to say this morning, mercy is not just for the start of the journey. It's for the duration. We needed saving and he saved us. If you're not yet fully like Jesus, which in case you're in any doubt is all of us in the room, you still are in need, need to change, need to keep dealing with some of the sinful patterns and things that are there in our lives, the imprint, the heritage of our fallenness. But we need to not deal with it by striving. We don't suddenly need to make ourselves respectable to God because we've been on the journey a little while. The truth is you can't. You know, the literal translation of the word that gets written here as in view actually means through or by. He's saying, I urge you, brothers and sisters, through God's mercy or by God's mercy. There's a transformation that needs to happen but it's actually only ever gonna happen through God's provision for you, by his meeting of your need. That's how we'll change. So friends, as we embark on a new year, may we be acutely aware, we may be, sorry, acutely aware of how we need to move forward, but the journey must begin with a new view, a view of God's mercy, a view that looks to him for help, Perhaps even in areas where we feel we should have moved on by now. Frankly, we don't want to talk to God about those things again because we feel that he's saying, come on, I don't want to hear this anymore. God's never spoken to me like that. You know, when I take my need to God, he just meets me there. I think sometimes he must think, I wondered when you were going to raise this. I knew it was still there. But he is gracious and merciful and ready to help us. So this is point number one here. We need a new view, and it's a view of God's mercy. The second thing in these verses this morning, which Paul brings to us that we need is a new response. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. You see, both Jews and non-Jews were familiar with the concept of bringing offerings to God. The law we read of in the Old Testament in here is a whole system of offerings to deal with guilt and to seek to atone for sin. But the offerings were dead. Sometimes they were burned. They were not alive. Except perhaps with the exception of a scapegoat, they were dead. There was an understanding that the life of an animal was sacrificed and offered in place of a person, that the person might be preserved. Sacrifices were dead. 
And so this was the appropriate, proper response to God before Jesus came. It was to bring the offerings that he'd prescribed, that he'd ordained. But Paul is explaining to the church in Rome that because Jesus came, the proper response has now changed. With the outworked mercy of God, Jesus had become the sacrifice once and for all, his life given for us. His life became the life offered in place of ours. And in view of this mercy and his offering, a new response is required of us, a different offering. And so Paul says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Surrendered lives, living sacrifices. Paul is not saying that a response is no longer required because Jesus has gone to the cross. Some would argue that a response is not required to receive salvation. That's not what Paul is saying. He says there's a new response called for. That is the new proper response. And he calls it a living sacrifice, living surrendered. Not bringing something dead anymore in our place, but bringing ourselves surrendered to God but still alive seeking to be holy and set apart for God seeking a life that's pleasing to him that's a living sacrifice that's living surrendered living not for me but for him this is the proper response he gave his life for you what could be unreasonable about requesting that you give yours to him not in death, but in life. It sounds straightforward. It sounds like a reasonable deal, but the thing that I find is living a life to please God often means not just living to please myself. And this is where the problem comes in. I don't know if anyone can equate to that in the room this morning. You see, I do want to please God, I really want to please God, but sometimes I find I want to please myself, and sometimes the two pull against one another, and when I don't feel like it, sometimes tempted to gratify some other desire or impulse of my flesh, to say things that I might like to say without thought of what they'll do, maybe like me, you remember once standing before God and putting your life on the altar saying that all you want is to please him, but then somehow a little further down the road, you look back and find that you've slid off the altar and inched away and are now doing your own thing again, living to please myself. Or is that just me? Sometimes we quietly back away and find that the decision that we'd made to be living sacrifices on the altar somehow just got eroded by our own need to please ourselves. A new you this year begins with a new view of God's mercy, but also a new response of offering yourself as a living sacrifice, living surrendered. Some of us in the room this morning, we've never done this. We've never come to God and truly surrendered. And if you want a new you this year, that's where it begins. 
Some of us have done this before and we've slid off the altar and we're not even sure where we find ourselves now, but we need to come back and say again, I surrender again. I come again because I want to be everything that you want me to be, Lord. But a new you starts with a new response to God. Thirdly, in these verses this morning, Paul says, for a new you, we will need a new mold. He says, do not be transformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Have you noticed that you don't have to try to feel like you should conform to the pattern of this world? You don't have to feel like you need to conform to the culture around you. This is what I observe, that there's a pattern in this world. There's a world's mold that comes after us insidiously to make us conform to it. There are adverts on the television that tell me and show me every day what I need to have and what I need to do to have a decent life. They seek to mold me after the world's pattern. There are always people around us ready to tell us how we need to conform, to fit in. We have an education system with many brilliant teachers in it, but a system that essentially shapes our children for 14 years, trying to fit them into an academic mold and an economic mold of success. We have all kinds of media around our lives that ping and buzz and bleep and send us notifications about what we should be conforming to next. Friends, I hope you've understood that this is happening. I hope you've woken up that there's a pattern to this world and a mold that you are trying to be squeezed into. Do you know it's easier to conform than not to? It's easier to go with the flow than to seek to move against it. It's easier perhaps to sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend before you're married rather than wait and live by God's standard because the world says, that's okay. Do as you please. In fact, the world will tell you you're weird if you don't. The word of God says his ways are best. I've tried them and I'd say they work. You know, it's easier to join in the conversation at work that gossips about a colleague than to opt out and speak up for them. It's easier to change your views to match what the media or your friends say you should think and believe than to go back to the Bible and search out exactly what God's blueprint, his word says, and choose to hold on to it. Does anyone here know what I'm talking about this morning? Is there anyone here feels a pressure to conform to the pattern of this world coming after us, trying to squeeze us? Are you aware of the particular areas in your life where you're being molded into the world's pattern? Because if you want a new you this new year, it does begin with a view of God's mercy. It will begin with a response of living surrendered, but then of recognizing the pressure that is there for you to conform, to be molded into the world's pattern. And we need a new mold, the blueprint of God's word that would keep shaping us and bringing us in a different shape. Fourthly this morning, 
And really an answer to how, to how do we get to that? How do we pursue letting God's word mold us and be our blueprint for our life rather than the pattern of this world? Well, fourthly, we need a new playlist. A new playlist. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A new playlist. What I mean by that, it's not just the music you listen to, although it would be good for you to think about that, but all the thoughts, everything that's playing, the airplay inside your head. You can be transformed into a new you, not just when you try harder with the external behavior, although that is a helpful component, but a new you begins on the inside, not the outside. Jesus' mercy comes and changes us from the inside out. When we let the word of God be a mold for our lives, when we let it be our blueprint, our manual, we let truth come and shape our lives and it begins to mold us and transform us when we use it to renew our thinking. Wouldn't it be great if in our minds we had a button you could press that had a reset playlist to factory settings. Well, you could literally press a button and it went back to how the maker had made us to think and made us to feel and made us to see the world. Unfortunately, that isn't there. And so we live with all kinds of other playlists, all kinds of fallen thought patterns responses to things, ways of viewing the world around us and other people. You know, some of us in the room, we've come to Christ recently, or maybe some of us have been Christians for many years, and we're not sure why we haven't been transformed more than we could have been, or perhaps should have been. We're not sure why we got stuck somewhere, battling some sin that we struggle to get free from. And friends, often it's because we came to Christ, but we never change the playlist. We keep listening to and replaying in our minds the same beliefs, the same words, the same patterns of thinking that we lived with before, that were there before Christ found us, things we were told when we were younger, the things that we fear, the things we're anxious about, the things we desire. We keep playing the same soundtrack, wondering why we're not more changed. You know, you won't think the same and yet become someone different. If the playlist remains the same, the words that come out your mouth will remain the same and the life you live will remain the same. A new you requires a new playlist where the truths of God's word shape your thinking, shape your view of yourself, shape how you view others and your understanding of the world. For many of us, we know that our minds need renewing. We know that everything that goes on in our heads is not as it should be. If you're not sure about that this morning, imagine if I suggested to you that we perhaps wire your brain up to the large screen and we play on the screen everything that goes through your mind and we invite others to come and watch. What a terrifying idea that is. Everyone's going, please. Technology hasn't reached that, has it? No, you're okay. I don't think technology can do that yet. 
But wouldn't it be terrible if our ingrained patterns of thinking, our fleeting thoughts, our fears, our judgmentalism, our lust, our pride, imagine if that were evident to all. We all know that our minds need renewing. And friends, we have to attend to our playlist, if you like. Your self-esteem won't improve while you allow thoughts to go unchallenged in your mind that tell you you're rubbish. Your struggle with pornography will remain for as long as you keep entertaining and choosing lustful thoughts and images as part of the playlist of your mind. You won't suddenly have faith to step into what you dream of if you don't deal with the fear of failure that prowls in your thoughts. In many of our playlists, in fact, many of the expressions of our broken and fallen humanity, there's a lie at the foundation of our thoughts and what we actually believe that doesn't line up with the truth of God's words. And we have to root out the lies in our thinking, the lies in our playlists, and reset our playlist with truth. The truth of who he says I am, the truth of who he says you are and others are and of their value and of what he says about the world around us. <clears throat> the truth of how he says we should live, of what he says is good for us and what will fulfill us and satisfy us. The truth is in my adult life I've had to change my playlist many times. It's quite common for me in a week of prayer and fasting for the Holy Spirit to show me some more things in a playlist that could do with changing. He spoke to me just yesterday about some more things. It's a process that I first embarked on about 20 years ago. As a young woman, I was newly married, newly qualified as a physiotherapist. On the outside, it looked like things were going well in life. But the reality was that I would often feel very rubbish about myself. I had a lot of feelings. I would be very low, I'd be very emotional, and often I couldn't even really articulate why that was. But the truth was I had a playlist that played a lot of thoughts that undermined who I was. They weren't based on truth. They were just things that I allowed to just go round and round and would obviously eventually affect my emotions. It was only really in that season the kindness and the mercy of the Holy Spirit. He showed me what was happening in my head. Helped me to wake up to what was going on inside my thoughts, my internal playlist. That I had whole patterns of thought that fed into a sense of loneliness and of low self-worth. Which had nothing to do with the truth. There were grains of truth here and there, but nothing more than that. And I had to recognize what was there and that it wasn't helping me, that it wasn't true and it didn't line up with God's word and that I had to renew it. I had to replace those thoughts and patterns with the new thoughts that I knew were true. Personally, I don't think you can just get rid of thoughts out of your head or ways of thinking. I think you have to replace them with something. You have to reroute them to something else. If you just try to get rid of a thought, you'll end up thinking it even more. That's my experience anyway. If you found a way to just get rid of thoughts, well, come and let me know. 
But I have found that the only way to get rid of patterns of thought is to change them and put the truth there instead of them. I had to go and find out what the Bible said about me and choose to hold on to those things instead. It was a key verse for me in that season. It was about accepting myself as God had made me to be and to know that God delighted in that, whatever anybody else thought. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, 18. It says, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. It wasn't an easy journey. I had to keep being diligent, replacing old thoughts and patterns whenever they cropped up. Or whenever things around my life triggered them, I had to learn where there were situations and people and images that could trigger old thoughts. And I had to steer myself away from those things where possible. And in his mercy, God helped me. You know, our ingrained thoughts, they're like paths in a woodland. When you look first, you think they're part of the landscape and will never be changed. But if you stop using them for a while, other paths become well-worn instead. And the landscape changes. And in time, the old paths disappear. And so it's just like this, friends, that when we have a new playlist and when we change our thoughts, we can be transformed. We can change the landscape of who we are. But it begins with a new playlist. If you want a new you this year, you can be transformed. It's all there for us to take hold of. But we need a new view of God's mercy. We need a new response to him of surrendered living. We need to find a new mold to fit into, which is God's blueprint, and a new playlist in our minds of his truth, only truth. And then, Paul says, we'll be transformed and we'll walk in his will, his good pleasing, and perfect will. Is there anyone here this morning who wants to walk in God's will this year? So often we want to say, we say to God, what's your will, what's your will? He says, well, it begins with a new you. Be transformed. It begins on the inside, not the outside. If you let me help you on the inside, I can walk you in to all the things I have for you. That won't be the difficult bit. Sometimes we strain over the will. I've got to find the will of God. Find the will of God. He says, I'm trying to make a new you. Friends, this morning, I want to bring us to a point of just responding to God again and saying, Lord, help me to have a new view of your mercy. To realize that I don't have to impress you or sort it out for you. But you will come and meet me here in my need today like you met me in my need the first day I got saved. There's some people here this morning, there's some stuff you've tried to sort out and you haven't managed it on your own and you just have given up. Go again, but come to him and ask him for his help. Ask him for his mercy to journey it with you. Bring yourself in surrender again to him and ask him to show you where there's lies in your head, things that need renewing and allow him to journey it with you. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up. Let's take a moment to pray and respond as we finish. If you're here this morning, as I bring this message, you know that you want to step into 
a new you this year. You want to be transformed. You know you want to move towards what God has for you. Well, I'm going to invite you to stand right now. Maybe you know that you just want a fresh view of God's mercy. Maybe you just know, I want to surrender again to you, Lord. I've maybe surrendered before. I've maybe never surrendered. But Lord, I want to be a living sacrifice. And then simply we'll pray and bring ourselves to the Lord. Father, we thank you that in your mercy you came and saved us. And thank you that you are unchangingly merciful to us. You were yesterday, you are today, and you will be forever. And so, Lord, we dare to come and stand and ask for your mercy again today, and to say we need your mercy, that you might change us into everything that you designed us to be, that we might walk in everything that you have for us. Would you please open our eyes again and open our hearts to have a new view of your mercy, Lord? And we come this morning, Lord, with a new response to surrender our lives again to you, Lord. That this year we would seek to live lives that are holy and pleasing to you. We put them back on the altar to follow you where you lead. We come to seek your blueprint for our lives and your truth and ask Holy Spirit that you would grant us your grace and mercy to get rid of lies from our thinking, to be renewed in your truth, that we might be transformed and walk in your will. So Holy Spirit, seal your word in our hearts, we pray. Receive the prayer, the offering of our lives that we bring this morning and lead us on into everything that you have for us to give you honor and glory and that we might know, Lord, your good pleasing and perfect will. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.